run, 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 because here's another episode of They're Coming to Read You, Barbara, a podcast book club for the strange and unusual. I'm Jonathan. I'm Rebecca. And today we're discussing The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. And here to give us more information, Rebecca's going to tell us some more about the author. Yes. Okay. So, T.J. Klune. T.J. Kuhn. <laughs> We're renaming him. It's fine. I'm off to a great start. <laughs> uh, T.J. Kuhn is an American author, which surprised me because there's British language yeah, in the book. That's true. So I was like confident that... Anyway. Uh, is an author of fantasy and romantic fiction featuring LGBTQ plus characters. He himself identifies as asexual, which he says influences his writing as does his experiences with queerness and neurodiversity. I did not know that. Really? I knew he was a romance author, but I didn't know the rest of that information. Yeah, almost well, all of his work features LGBTQ plus characters. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So The House in the Cerulean Sea introduces us to Linus Baker, which may be my favorite protagonist name ever. I love the it's name very Linus. Cute name, yeah. uh, Linus Baker is a bumbling pencil pusher whose job it is to uh, investigate orphanages for magically gifted children and ensure that they're being run correctly. Uh, And he reports back to the company that runs all of the orphanages or oversees them. And at the beginning of the story, Linus kind of thinks his job, like he kind of thinks of himself as a little bit of a hero, not in a like egotistical way. Just he thinks his job is helping people. Yes. Uh, And he gets assigned to go to an island where there are magical children of a higher level. There's like the son of Satan and then very powerful or unusual beings at this orphanage. And it's run by the very handsome Arthur. And through his experience with the kids and with Arthur, he starts to question the company he works for and also his role with that company and whether or not he's doing good or not. Uh, And he starts to develop feelings for one of the people on the island. Yes. So, Rebecca, what are your thoughts on this book? Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, What I wrote down is that uh, this book is like friendship. At first I was shy and reserved because it was like just about... (laughs) <laughs> oh no I love this keep going keep going so at first it was kind of boring because you were just following along Linus in his office work and you weren't really like getting to know mm-hmm. anybody uh, but then it kind of blossomed into a heartwarming comfort piece for me where I was comfortable with the characters and I really got attached to everybody yeah I can see that and I probably have told this on the podcast before but also we keep deleting old episodes <laughs> <laughs> So who knows? So who knows? It might be new. But I will tell the story about how we became friends. Uh, since you mentioned it's kind of like friendship. Rebecca and I became friends. We worked at the library for uh, a solid year before yeah. we were ever friends. We started at the exact same time. Yeah, we started the same day and like did not really talk for yeah. like a year. But yeah. in my head, I knew we were going to be friends. I was like, from the get-go, I was like... I just need to bide my time because we are going to be so fucking close. I was like, just wait. One day she's going to need a kidney and I'm going to be like, I have a kidney. (laughs) So uh, then one day we had to work in the library and we were basically alone because our library was getting uh, renovated. And I felt like I literally arrived to work with you. Like, hey, today is the day. (laughs) 
And ever since then, uh, ever since we spent the entire day with me oversharing, because literally 10 minutes into that shift, I was like, anyways, so the first dick that I sucked, <laughs> I was like, this is how I'm going to earn your trust. I'm just going to tell you too much about myself, and then we will be friends. And it worked. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad it did. Yes, agreed. It was a funny story. <laughs> so I can see... Uh, like what you mean about that, because that is kind of Linus's experience too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he starts off very like tepid and trying to be very business on the island. Mm-hmm. And then uh, like each character you meet, you kind of do fall in love with yeah. them in yeah. interesting ways. Mm-hmm. So the kids on the island, there's Lucy, yeah. who is the son of Satan. It's short for Lucifer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's cute, but super naughty. Yeah. And that reminded me a lot of my kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, my kid will absolutely, like, he has a streak of dark humor. In fact, just yesterday, we were in the car, and he was like, today was the best day ever. It can't get any better. We should kill ourselves. And I was like, <laughs> Henry! And he said, just swerve the steering wheel, Daddy. And I was like, okay. That was funny, but also no. <laughs> so, uh, very much like... Like that character of Lucy in this book where he's got this dark streak of humor that is very fun. You've got Talia, who is a female gnome, Mm -hmm. which is apparently very rare. Yeah. Uh, And she keeps threatening to kill Linus and bury him, (laughs) which is very funny. Uh, You've got uh, Theodore, who is a wyvern, which is like a tiny dragon. Um, like, Like a bird lion? Yeah, yeah, I've never heard of this. They have them in World of Warcraft. They're bird lions in, in World of Warcraft. It was so cool. So that's what I pictured. I'd never, like, heard of it. Uh, and then uh, you have Sal, who can turn into a Pomeranian. Yeah. Uh, and then you have Fee, who is a sprite. Yep. Uh, and then my favorite is Chauncey, mm-hmm. who, what the fuck is Chauncey? He's a, like... Blob. Yeah, like I couldn't tell what he was. But uh, my favorite character in the book because his greatest ambition is he wants to be a bellhop at a hotel. Yeah. And the audiobook uh, of this book is so good. It really is. I feel like it adds a lot because each character has their own voice. Yes. So for me, I prefer the audiobook. Uh, in particular, I love the voice for Chauncey. Yeah, it was really good. Because there's a moment. Where they're like, Chauncey, you could never be bad. You're a goody two-shoes. And he goes, I could be bad. And he goes, I'm not going to fold your clothes anymore, Mr. <laughs> Baker. And then he goes, I'm just kidding. Don't take that away from me. I love that, please. I just, I was so silly. Yeah. He's so, great. I love him. He's really cute. Yeah. I also, what did you think about the fact that Linus is chubby? Because that was something I really liked in this book. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and slightly balding. Yes. Right? So not like your picture-perfect like love interest person yeah he didn't have like abs which in particular for someone who is writing for lgbtq i found so important Mm -hmm. because so much we get so little already that when we do get it even like whether it's for gays or lesbians it's always like someone who is incredibly attractive even in the price of salt the way carol has described him Mm -hmm. like Oh, God, she's breathtaking. And then the way gay men are described in literature is like, oh, well, that's not on my level. Like, mm-hmm. I w- that dude would never look at me. And so it's hard to see yourself in literature that is 
maybe it's written for you, but it's written for people that are prettier than you and would never be your friend. Right, exactly. Whereas I felt like this was written, like, I felt like Linus would definitely be my friend. We would definitely hang out. And I would have a crush on him. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, I thought that was very refreshing. Mm-hmm. So kudos, TJ Clune. Kudos. Arthur very much reminded me of uh, Miss Peregrine. Okay. Like, just the vibe of that character. Like, I'm taking care of the children, and I'm mysterious, but I have a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, like, parts of this book did remind me, to be fair, I've never read those books. I've just watched the movie. Mm, they're not good. They're not good? I did okay. not enjoy the, the first one. I only read the okay. first one. Good to know. Didn't Strike that it. off my list. Uh, but that was kind of like the vibe that it reminded me of yeah. was that movie. Mm-hmm. But then with like some LGBTQ romance thrown in. Yeah. Yeah. And I did get nervous because at one point uh, they talk about uh, Linus losing weight because he's on the island. Yeah. And I got very, I was like, oh my God. If the end of this story is a happy ending because Linus gets skinny, I'm going to be so pissed. <laughs> and instead it was like he lost a little bit of weight. Still chubby, also more bald now. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm fine with this. Yeah. It was, I was like, yeah. okay, because that to me is like better because you don't have to achieve your quote unquote ideal body to be happy. Right. So I like that that wasn't the message. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, for me, I really liked this book. Uh, I loved the characters. I did feel a little bit like uh, this book needed a little bit higher stakes because like the bad things in the book the company uh and the townspeople surrounding the island uh like they all are kind of threats and then the way those threats are dealt with is so neat and quick yeah that i was like oh i really kind of wanted it to get dicey for a minute but i never felt afraid for the characters really no i didn't either i can see that I uh, I think I think maybe that was intentional. Like he wanted to keep mm-hmm. it lighthearted. Yeah, maybe. But it was like um, Linus's confrontation with the company. The what are they called? Extremely upper management. Yes. Um, wasn't really believable. Yeah, so. and the fact that they would then just change their mind. Spoiler alert. So sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, they would then just change their minds so quickly. Yeah, just be like, oh, okay, whatever. I wanted a little bit of higher stakes in particular because major spoiler alert, it is set up that Arthur, uh, who runs the orphanage, uh, had a previous relationship with one of the members of Extremely Upper Management, yeah. and that is why he's being investigated. Yeah. In part because of the history. And I really wanted if those two characters have history i felt like it was a wasted opportunity not to have them meet and have conflict in person yeah yeah i can see that but so i loved it i think this is a great book to read if like the current climate of the world is too fucking much Uh this is a great book to read for me, I'm coping okay now at this point, so I'm like, I need the drama. But had you handed this book to me a year ago when I was like, seriously, like, I can't take any more bad news. Because mm-hmm. we started reading Adam Sass's Surrender Your Sons, and I had to give up. Because I was like, this is too much conflict. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> I I really enjoyed the, the the warmth of the book for the overall. I, I was glad there wasn't that much drama, because I yeah. started to get really concerned for the welfare of the children. Yes, yes. And the relationship that was, spoiler alert, developing between 
Arthur and Linus. Yeah, which I actually thought that relationship was very believable. Yeah. It went very slow. It did. It did go very slow. Uh, and you see Linus kind of, his defense is crumbling a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. And I loved that. Which I think is realistic for someone in his position. I absolutely thought so too. I mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. Uh, so, do you have any thoughts on if this was a movie, would you, first of all, would you prefer it to be a live action or an animated film? I would prefer a live action. Yeah, I think so too. I would prefer something almost like a Harry Potter or a Miss Peregrine. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, that same kind of, I want to see this stuff for real. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Listening to the audiobook just like whetted my appetite because it was so well done that I was like picturing it in my mind and the the narrator was doing such a good job Mm -hmm. with all the different voices that I was like, yeah, I really want to watch this. Yeah, I wish this book, it's big. Don't get me wrong. This book is having like its day for sure. I wish it was even bigger because it would be fun to have like House in the Cerulean Sea like merch or like a destination or like it, like that would be so fun because I really wanted to go to this island. Yeah, I did too. It actually made me a little homesick because it was... I was so surprised that the author was American because it felt so English to me. Yeah. There was English, like, terminology in it. I think they take tea, too. Yeah, and, like, the the place that they lived, like, Linus mm-hmm. lived, sounded like England to me. And then, like, taking the train out to the sea is very English. So yeah. I was very surprised. So for me, it made me even more homesick as well. Yeah. So if it was going to be live action, do you have any thoughts on who you would want to see in the movie? Yes. I was ready for you this time. So for Linus Baker, these might be odd choices, but that's just who I picture. Fine, fine. For Linus Baker, Toby Jones. Oh, I'm going to look that up. He was in, he's been in Doctor Who. He played Dobby in Harry Potter. Okay, okay. (laughs) So obviously you don't see him. Uh, he's been in a lot oh of Oh my god, yeah. He played Truman Capote. Yes. Uh, in something. I can see that. Yeah. He's, okay. He's not skinny, but he's not fat. Like, yeah. He's not he's, very round. He's not bald, but he's not got a lot of hair. So yeah, yeah. I picture that immediately. It's he looks like a bureaucrat, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for Arthur Parnassus, uh, Michael Sheen. Oh, Yeah. Because I was picturing him as the vampire. Oh my god, yeah. But with his good omens characteristics. I can see that. Mm -hmm. And then I also casted Zoe. Okay. As Ruth Nega. (gasps) She seems very sprightly to me. I really like your choices. (laughs) (laughs) I pictured Arthur as like a Colin Firth. Okay. Um... And then I pictured, uh, I know no one feels the same about this person as I do. <laughs> and it's very fun to bag on this person. I pictured Linus as James Corden. Okay. I see it in your face. <laughs> I know. Everybody's like, Ugh. He just ruins everything. I love him. I feel like he doesn't ruin anything. <laughs> Even when people were like, ugh, in pride, he's making fun of gay people. I was like, but to be fair, I would have thought he was gay if I'd never heard of him. It's true. It's I would have literally thought like, yeah, he's just. A gay person. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't, like, to me, I was like, it wasn't over the top. I certainly feel like I'm on that level of homonis, so <laughs> that did not bother me. I even liked him in Cats. Cats was a terrible movie, but I don't think it's his fault. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I 
know I might be alone in this. Maybe it's because I had a crush on Linus as a character, and I have a crush on James Corden as a character, and I don't need him to lose weight neither. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your moan and your groan for this book? Um, uh, that's really difficult because, like, there wasn't anything... Well, I, I think maybe for Moan, I would say I really enjoyed Talia as a character. Okay. She made me laugh a lot. Yes. Her dialogue was hilarious. And then, like, picturing her in the gardening store, just, like, playing with all of her little yes. gardening tools. And getting really so cute. excited about shovels. Yeah. Um, I think my groan was I didn't I didn't like the confrontation between the village and okay. the island. Cause okay. It was very short. Yeah. So it didn't seem believable that they would just turn around and go home, you know? Uh, Yeah, because I almost expected a moment. I didn't need it to be this dark, but I expected almost a moment like in We Have Always Lived in the Castle. Yeah. Where the village comes to Mary Cat. Yeah. uh, And her house and trashes it. I expected something like that. And I actually think that would have made the. The ending resonate more. Yeah. So for me, my groan, I'll do that first. I I do feel like had the stakes been up to bit, had we seen a little more ugliness, it would have made the island or the kids or Arthur and Linus being together and protecting each other more meaningful to me. However, uh, I also get that, uh, like, I have certain things that I look for in a book that I think you could pick this book up and not miss that if that's not what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and my moan is Chauncey. I love Chauncey. <laughs> I want to adopt Chauncey. <laughs> I want to get Chauncey a bellboy outfit. Like, <laughs> I loved him as a character. Yeah. Okay. So we have a little game. Okay. Since this book is titled The House in the Cerulean Sea, mm-hmm. I thought it would be fun if we made a literary rainbow. Oh. Oh. So I am going to read you a little rhyme, and you will guess the color that completes the rhyme. Okay. Okay, I'm going to give you an example. I'm okay. going to give you an example. Okay. Uh, so, in C.S. Lewis's The Silver Chair, the green witch is filled with hate. But chisel a chair of metaphoric rock and you'd have one of slate. So here's a hint. Okay. I know. That's, it sounds <laughs> tough. I promise the example is actually harder than the rest of the questions. Okay. Uh, so a hint is the, uh, the color that completes the rhyme uh, is a different shade of one of the colors mentioned. Okay. Okay. So like uh, silver to slate. Different shades of gray. Yeah. Here we go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, I'll try, but like... So we're going Roy G. Biv. Here we go. Roy G. Biv. Where the red fern grows is a good cry, but over too soon. But add some brown to that red, and you'd have a fern of... Is it supposed to rhyme? Yes. Can you say it again? Mm-hmm. I was too busy focusing <laughs> on the colors. <laughs> Where the red fern grows is a good cry, but over too soon... But add some brown to that red, and you'd have a fern of... Maroon. Very good. All right. The jumpsuit is orange. They make Piper wear it. But with a red-orange pigment, you'd have a jumpsuit of... Carrot? Yes. All right. Ian Fleming's goldfinger was quite a nasty fellow. 
but lose that luster and shine, and you'd have a finger of... Yellow. Yellow. All right. It's a yellowish green, and the end rhymes with puce. Instead of Anne of Green Gables, it's Anne of... Chartreuse. Oh, my God. Okay, fine. <laughs> I should pick harder colors over here. <laughs> no. <laughs> Left on the island of blue dolphins, Karana had her own empire. But with aluminum oxide, she'd have a dolphin of... It rhymes with empire? It does. And it's a shade of blue. Yeah. Blue and empire. See, you jinxed me. Yeah, I'll give you another hint. Okay. It is a, it is a precious stone. Sapphire. Yes! <laughs> I just slowed down. Ah, you. you did. I wish I could have captured that, like, on audio, because you looked at me, slow blinked, like, you stupid bitch. I don't know. Okay, okay. This is the last one. It's the toughest one. Oh, boy. Okay. Reading the color purple, mm-hmm. Shug makes Seely want to whistle. And if you like your shades floral, try your purple in... It rhymes with whistle? It does. It's purple. And it's a shade of purple. And it's floral. I mean, I think of thistle. Yes! Look okay. at you! Is it actually a shade of purple? Uh, it is according to Sherwin-Williams. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, what would you give the House in the Cerulean Sea out of 10? I give it a 10. <gasps> Ooh. I really loved I was crying at the, what is it called? The the, the epilogue at, at the end? Yeah, yeah. When when it's like Arthur and Linus and they're like, gonna, that was, spoiler alert, they adopt all the children. Yeah, that was, was like, really <laughs> sweet. That was really sweet. So I, like, I did so love it. So, the whole book just made me feel warm and fuzzy and I really loved it. Yes. I give it a 7. Uh, like, not because, uh, like, I don't think, I think a lot of people would give it a 10. For me, it was a 7, which is still very high. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I give it a 7. Okay. Uh, would you read more from this author? Yes. I would, too. Yes. I thought it was fun. I also really liked the representation I saw. I liked the feeling of the book. I can see myself wanting to feel that feeling again. Yeah. It reminded me of, there was a book called The Gunkle that came out last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just the same LGBTQ, like, a little bit of romance, a lot of, like, heart feels, and I loved that feeling. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need to read a book just to feel good. Yeah. So, I really like that. Well, apparently, it's that's the the connecting feature in all of his writing is, mm-hmm. is the LGBTQ plus characters. I love that. Because he has a uh, queer werewolf series <gasps> and a queer superhero series. Okay, the queer werewolf series. I know, so right? <laughs> I'll have to tell Nick that. Yeah. Nick might actually read that because yeah. my husband is, uh, is a pup, so he would love that. Yeah. Called uh, uh, Green Creek. Oh, good to know. I'm going to look for that. Yeah. Uh, what else are you reading, watching, or listening to that is giving you pleasure? Um, I just finished the new season with Queer Eye. <gasps> and that show just makes me feel so happy and but sad at the same time. Like, I cry, yeah. but it's like a happy cry. And I just really love it. So Jonathan Van Ness... I cannot explain it, and I know that this is one of those things where you overly identify with the celebrity, and they don't fucking know you, Uh, but 
I he has a memoir that is so good. It really is. Uh, yes, that's right. You read it too. But like, there are so many things about his past that, like, for me, I was like, holy fuck, did I write this? Like, he talks about his struggles with body image. He talks about uh, suicide uh, and depression and sex work. And there are so many things in that book that I'm like, I have struggled with some of those same things and I like that is a book for me that like I find him so inspiring that he is so himself and so like positive with everything he's gone through yeah so yeah and the, their positivity and open-mindedness really radiates through this season because they're in Texas oh. so some of the characters not characters but people that they assist um aren't there's i think in the first season there's very similar but not always aligned yeah and so like there's there's one guy that they have to kind of teach like pronouns and Mm -hmm. non-binary means and stuff like that so oh i love that but but they were very loving and open and welcoming to him and they are so like blatantly homosexual when they go places like i watched one of the episodes where they go to the firehouse and they were just like flirting with them and being silly and i was like i am 34 and i am not that comfortable in my sexuality Mm -hmm. where even though like yes i do feel like we should be able to like not be a predator about being silly and flirting, but be able to communicate the way men or women communicate with one another in the cishet world mm-hmm. uh, where it's not predatory, but you can be like, oh, you look so good. Uh, as a gay man, I never feel comfortable telling a straight man that. Um. I never feel comfortable like commenting on their appearance at all because my fear is that they will perceive me as coming on to them. Mm. So I don't know. That show is really like in some ways to me, shocking, where I watch it and I'm like, they are not afraid. Yeah. What is that like? Yeah, they're very so. no apologies themselves. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I am currently reading Stephen King's It. Oh. I have never read a Stephen King book. And I tried I am, and I couldn't do it. I am a massive fan of horror, but uh, I'm also a snob. And <laughs> Stephen King is like so big yeah. and so many people love him that automatically my snob switch turns on and I'm like, everybody loves it, so it must be garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to tell you, it's not. It's super good. Okay. I'm loving it. However, triggering as fuck. Is it? Holy shit. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, like, it's within the first hundred pages you have like... Fat phobic comments. You have the use of the uh, the f word, the f a g word. You have Ew. like anti semitism, and it, like he is writing from the perspective of the character, so it's not sure. him as an author expressing these sentiments. Okay, but it is still like, oh, sometimes I have to put it down. But he's an amazing writer, as it turns out. This guy, if you've never heard of him, Stephen King, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my um. <laughs> This might be TMI, but my dad used to read in the the, the toilet, the restroom. Yeah, my dad too. He has a bookshelf. <laughs> yeah. So one time I, I was in there and I picked up a book and it was a Stephen King book and I just kind of glanced through it and I read a passage from it and it was the part where a guy was handcuffed. Oh. And he was like 
skinning the hand, the skin from his hand to get out of the handcuff. Oh, Jesus. So I was like traumatized by that. So I haven't read anything by Stephen King. Interesting. Well, I'm enjoying this, but oh my God, I will not be done for ages. It's a big book. Uh, It's a huge book. I'm alternating between the book and the audio book. That way I can like speed it up. And the Uh audio book is 44 hours. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) But last year I did Gone with the Wind. Uh, and that was 50 hours, and oh so God. much of those hours were racist. <laughs> that at least this, I'm like, eh, I'm not going to be that mad at it. Like, so many hours listening to Margaret Mitchell were like, oh, you're justifying the clan. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, next episode, we are going to be reading The Final Girls Support Group yes. by Grady Hendricks. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited I'm about excited. that. I'm excited, yeah. I love Final Girl movies. Yeah, and I've been playing Phasmophobia a lot. (gasps) Yes. Which is, and then I played Friday the 13th, the video game. And I was the final girl, so I'm very excited about this. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. All right, well, join us next time. If you want, pick up your copy of the Final Girls Support Group so that you can enjoy all of our commentary. And until then, we'll see you on the next episode of They're Coming to Read You, Barbara! The music for They're Coming to Read You, Barbara, comes from Eric Matias at www.soundimage.org. Yes. <laughs>